HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit Corin.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hello, welcome to Japanese. I'm your host, Akiko Kateyama, a good writer and a director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from our studio at Borders in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every day in the supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi, ramen, izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, and I try to demystify it in this program with my cool guests. My guest today is Elizabeth Sando, who already joined us four times on episodes 18, 61, 83, and 99, sharing her truly um, deep insight into Japanese food culture. And Elizabeth is a food writer and Japanese cooking instructor based in Tokyo, and she has lived in Japan since 1966. So she runs a culinary art program called A Taste of Culture, which offers a great opportunity for non-Japanese people to explore Japanese culture through its food. And Elizabeth is also the author of six cookbooks, including the award-winning Washoku, Recipes from the Japanese Kitchen. And today's topic is Sashi Suseso. If you have ever tried to study Japanese, it's the third column of the Japanese hiragana character chart. And Sashi Suseso also means the essential condiments and seasonings of Japanese cuisine. So today we'll discuss what the culinary sashi suseso is, and details of each condiment and seasonings, how you use them in the right order, and much, much more. Uh, but before quickly we start, Japanese is available on Heritage Radio Network website, as well as on iTunes and the Stitcher as a podcast. So please go to iTunes and Stitcher and subscribe to Japanese. And please write a review on iTunes and Stitcher. We appreciate your feedback. And also, if you have any ideas about topics of the show or show guests, please let us know. You can email us at japanese at heritageradionetwork.org. So now let's start our conversation with Elizabeth Ando. 
Welcome back. Thank you. Good to be here. So, um, well, we've talked about Japanese food culture, but we've never talked intensely about uh, these condiments and other important elements. So, um, first, I think there is an important term to describe all those important flavoring elements. So, that's chomiryo. What is chomiryo? Well, I find it's very interesting. Chomiryo is usually talked about as being seasonings, but when you talk about it in English as seasonings, it sounds like it's something that you add that might not originally be there. And the Japanese word chomiryo, the cho, is really a accommodation. It's it's taking something and perhaps improving upon it mm-hmm. um, uh, and changing it in some way, but essentially you're not making it different. You're making it better. Mm-hmm. And these are things that are going to make the food better because of them, mm. it's not going to really change the nature of the food. Right. And somehow the word um, seasoning or condiment uh, implies that you've got a separate flavor and mm. you're adding it. Right. You know? Interesting. So, chomi, um, cho means, totonori means adjusting. Adjusting. So it's kind of layering flavors. Yes. Yeah. And it, it's taking the essential essence of the food and it's enhancing it it's making it better mm. but it's not really changing it essentially right so mm. the point is the idea of japanese seasonings and condiments it's more of more than addition yeah right, right. so let's go into sashisuseso which <laughs> is um the essential five elements right. of chomiryo right so what is sashisuseso well, it, as you said, anybody who attempts to learn to read and write Japanese learns aiueo, kakikukeko, <laughs> and then comes sashisuseso. And it describes the order in which certain elements are added. And what I think is interesting is that three of them are pretty much universal, salt, sugar, vinegar. Mm-hmm. And almost every cuisine uses those three to enhance or improve uh, or accommodate the flavors. Um, perhaps right. So the, mm. so the uh, sugar, salt, vinegar. So sugar is sa. Sa, <laughs> Salt right. is shi. Shi. And the vinegar is su. su. So, sashi, su, su. The first three. The first three. And I think that they exist in pretty much every cuisine and are important in every cuisine, but I don't know of any other food culture where the order in which you add them, the timing, mm. is so specified. And the Japanese are very specific about the sugar has to come first, mm. the salt will be later, and if you're using anything with vinegar or acid, that's going to be after that. Mm. And um, it's in order to get the most benefit of those elements in terms of accommodating and improving those flavors. Mm. So right. if you if you add sugar first and wait on the salt, you can get away with less sugar, less salt, and still get better flavor. Mm. Right. So the salt, um, no, sugar, salt, vinegar. Right. And the fourth one is uh, shoyu. Right. But then it uh, used to be spelled as seuyu. Right. So that's a set. And then last one, miso. They just happen to... The so of miso. Right, so convenience. <coughs> uh, so if you just forget the order, uh, which one? This is always reminds you. Right. Yeah. Mm, I often will suggest to people that they think of um, sweet things coming first and um, salty things later. I think that's probably 
the most important thing to remember, especially if you're making、um, cuisines other than Japanese, because、mm. these sashi suseso works for any any cooking.、Mm, right. It really has the same benefit. And I, I heard it's oh scientifically. It's not my explanation、yeah. is not so scientific, but I heard the sugar is not easily absorbed into food, so it's better to use it earlier in cooking, so that it takes more time to, you know, to allow more time to be absorbed. It it does. It's also a softener. It often helps to tenderize、mm. food、um, as well. Right. So it's better to use it earlier. Right. right. And I heard that the sugar is、um, uh, hydrophilic, so. That it can reduce or retain water in ingredients,、right. and as a result, sugar can soften meat, and sugar permeates into tissues of meat, and attract water in meat, and connects、right. with the collagen in meat. So that's how I、wow. heard it works. Okay, <laughs> it works. It really does. And I think that experientially, anybody who tries it and and adds.、Um, Sugar, sweet things first, and holds off on salty things, whether it be salt or soy sauce、uh, or miso.、Mm. Um, will find that they're able to get much deeper, richer, rounder flavor,、mm. and also with less of that substance, less sugar, less salt,、um, less soy sauce, less miso.、Mm. Um. Right. So in the, that order. Right. Right. So and also that salt. You know the reason we use salt after sugar. The salt draws out water、yes. from ingredients, so it's better to use it when it determines the balance of flavors. It's、uh, things that has to be drawn out. It's drawn out after salt. Right. So,、mm. salt is、um, the the first thing usually that's done in terms of any kind of skemona, any kind of pickle.、Mm-hmm. It creates a brine. Depending upon what the salt is being rubbed into or sprinkled on,、mm. uh, the amount of liquid is going to be different. But it does produce、um, liquid. It draws liquid out of the food、mm. that it's come in contact with. Right, and I think、uh, the vinegar goes in the middle because the you know the acidity can evaporate pretty easily. So and also、um, I think the person miso is such a、um, delicate flavor. So you don't cook miso. Like when you cook miso soup, never boil it. Use that. Right, miso is really. I always think of it as everybody has to be at the table ready to eat, and that's when you add the miso、mm-hmm. to soup. Right. right, and then yeah, my mother used to get upset when I boil miso. Like, no, don't do that.、Right. <laughs> There are a few、um, sauces made with miso where you actually cook them. Things like neri miso, where、mm-hmm. you're stirring in other flavors,、right. um, but. There, you're mixing them with other foods,、mm-hmm. and so the flavor isn't compromised. Right, and、um, those sauces are rarely、um, thought of as adding significant nutrition to the food, whereas、mm. the nutrition of the miso in, in miso soup is important. Right, and、um, heat will compromise that; will reduce the amount of、mm-hmm. nutritional value. But in a sauce, you're consuming just a little bit,、right. primarily for flavor.、Mm-hmm. And when you are cooking miso in a sauce, it's usually with other things as、right. well.、Yeah. So we'll talk about miso more into a little more details、okay. later. But I think、um, you're right that miso is such a rich in protein and so much of you know a health food. Yes. So okay, and uh, so um, I think it's interesting Japanese food. Tend to use sugar in savory dishes. Yes. Right. Why is that? <laughs> I don't know. 
I think primarily for balance, um, especially when you consider that the other two flavors, salty things and sour things, Mm. um, are often overwhelming. And if you add just a little bit of sugar, um, there are a lot of things that have sort of a sweet and sour. Mm. And then something like the teriyaki flavor, which Mm. is sugar that's been added to soy sauce, um, it makes it more mellow. And um, again, you can get away with less of each, less sugar, less soy sauce, Mm. if you combine them in the right order, in the right proportion, and you get maximum flavor. Mm, Right. So I think uh, there's a phrase, gomi goshoku goho, which is a basic uh, uh, term for Japanese cuisine. So gomi means uh, five tastes, and sweet, sour, um, bitter salty and acidic right spicy spicy is the traditional way of thinking um, about it um, and in terms of balancing there's often um, sweet is combined with other things mm. it's uh, the, the sweet is rarely just a sugary flavor it's right. usually added to others but also appearance because it adds a sort of a glossy uh, shiny mm-hmm. look, and sometimes food is more appetizing if right. it if it has that glossy look to it. Mm. It's a caramelized, uh, yeah, and also like mylard, right? Effect, yeah. Right? So, yeah. So, um, so the sugar in food is a skiaki and teriyaki sauce, right? But even like in omelets, um, mm-hmm. in w- with eggs uh, that are primarily savory in taste, but there's a little bit of sugar um, mm. added to it. Uh, for many years, um, I led a sort of a double life, Tokyo and Osaka, and I was always surprised at certain very basic different approaches, mm. and one of them was about the rolled omelette and the difference between dashi maki, mm. which um, down in the Kansai area, down in uh, Osaka and Kyoto, was a much uh, milder flavor and no... Uh, effect of, of a caramelization at all. You didn't want your egg to pick up any color at all. Mm. And in Tokyo, where you had this sort of very rich, um, almost caramel-like flavor to the right. to the egg, and how c- they could both be called the same thing, tamagoyaki, sort That's of surprised me. That's yeah. really true. Right. And I think, uh, you know, I grew up in Tokyo, and I'm right. used to that sweet uh, kind of omelet. But right. there's a contrast between saltiness and sugar, that really makes the taste, to me, right. very attractive. And the reverse is also true, because the Japanese put salt on things mm. that are sweet to make them sweeter, like watermelon. Mm. So let's <laughs> talk actually, a that's a, the s- salt is diverse. Yes. Right. So let's talk about it. So that's a kakushijio, right? Right. So kakushijio is a hidden salt, means to by just sneaking a little bit of salt you right. enhance other flavors. The time that um, I was most surprised was uh, when I first learned how to make uh, the tsubu-an, the, the beans, the sweet bean sort of fudge that's often in the middle of um, sweets, Japanese sweets. Mm-hmm. And um, it's made with a lot of sugar, and it's cooked for a very long time. And at the very end, a drop of soy sauce. And mm. it makes all the difference in the world. All right. of a sudden, mm. what had tasted just like 
sweet beans tasted like an. It was it was a it was an amazing transformation and just a drop, and at the very very end, mm-hmm. um, and I had never thought to put salt on melon before I mean mm-hmm. to me that was something new coming to Japan and I would see people put salt on top of watermelon and I'd <laughs> look at it very strangely and I tasted it and wow it really does taste sweeter mm. because of the little bit of salt that was added to right. it and contrast and also yeah. I think soy or salt can be I mean diversified you mentioned that just adding uh, soy to azuki beans right. so that soy has a lot of um, umami too yes so it's a uh, the contrast and right. diversity yeah. that makes but, it interesting but very much a, hi- a hidden flavor I mean had you asked me whether there was salt in the sweet bean fudge I wouldn't have thought there was mm. any at all right okay and uh, so what other salt tricks in Japanese have? <laughs> um, appearance is always important in uh, at the Japanese table. And very often there's a kesho, sort of like putting makeup on. Mm. It, it's a sort of this cosmetic effect. And uh, you can eat it. It would be pretty salty. Yeah, yeah. But uh, typically with small whole fish that are broiled, um, the fins are given extra salt. Mm-hmm. And they sort of stand up. It's almost like... Um, hairspray being sprayed it's that <laughs> stiff sort of look right. to it um and it just looks better mm-hmm. it, and it turns a wonderful sort of a crusty right. um salt on it um, yeah so if you go to you know kaiseki restaurant there's a fish course like a little whole fish right and that on tail there's like a bigger chunks of salt sprinkled right. over it and then i think also it, it's a trick to not to burn that thin mm. tail so you can have it as a snack, like crunchy snack, but also it's not burned. So. Right. So that's kishoshio. Right. Um, one of the other things that uh, is often done is salt is combined with other herbs and spices mm. and then used as uh, a dip where you would sprinkle it on top. Um, sometimes tempura, or I would say probably more often tempura is served with a sort of a liquid, a soy and dashi-based mm-hmm. dip sauce. But I personally prefer when flavored salt is offered and in the springtime uh, sakura jio wow. is uh, added to it and it's a uh, wonderful floral um, really does taste and smell like cherry mm. blossoms and it's like to be pink maybe and pink um, it looks pretty and it tastes wonderful um, when you take uh, salted cherry blossoms preserved salt preserved cured cherry blossoms mm. and you buy them there's a lot of salt clinging to them right. and if you just shake that off before you use the cherry blossoms and use that as a finishing salt um, for cooking it's quite wonderful mm. the other flavor that I really like is uh, sancho pepper Mm. And uh, sancho pepper and salt mixed together and mm. used is is quite wonderful. Just sprinkled on things or um, what else? Matcha is often used mm. uh, with salt, especially at tempura restaurants. It looks pretty. And, right. and also the other day I had uh, the you know pepperized uh, yuzu. Right. Pio. Oh. Wow, that must be. <laughs> I think you can actually use it by yourself. Make it by yourself. Right. right. Right, yeah. Maybe with a coffee brinder, the dried user skins, like a lemon skin even. Yes, uh, and um, once I had done it with orange um, peels mm. and uh, mikan 
chimpi, the the, okay. the dried mikan peels, because yeah, yeah. um, that's uh, thinner, easy, easier. To it's much process. easier to to sort of pulverize and make into into that, but mm. um, quite quite wonderful as a finishing flavor mm. on other things. And then of course salt is is critically important for all tsukemono. Um, mm. uh, sometimes it's a very simple shiozuke. It's just a brine. And you're drawing the liquid out of the vegetable and allowing it to uh, ferment, varying degrees of ferment in that brine. And sometimes it's the first thing that you do, and then there are other processes that, that follow afterwards. Right. But, so that was yeah. episode 83. You extensively yes. talked about skin you know, of pickles. Skimono, right. right. Okay. And uh, now, um, well, speaking with skimono. And that other way is a vinegar. So, right. and in Japan, the default vinegar is rice vinegar. Uh, so, how do you describe the flavor profile of rice vinegar? Um, I would say it's mellow, and especially compared to fruit-based vinegars, m- most of the vinegar that's used in Japan is based on grain, mm-hmm. and the primary grain is is going to be rice. Um, there are some that have also wheat and barley added uh, to them. There are a few fruit-based vinegars. Um, umezu, which is the natural um, mm. result of pickling plums. Mm. Um, kaki uh, persimmon is also made into soup. Um, interesting. <laughs> yeah, and it's an interesting ferment, mm. uh, a very different kind of flavor. Um from that, but it's a much rounder, um, more gentle mm. flavor, I think. And it doesn't, again, interfere with the food that it's being used with. I think that's pretty much a characteristic of um, all of the, the, the chomidyo, all of the seasonings that are used in Japanese cooking, that they enhance, but they don't mask, they mm. don't cover or change anything. They're taking what's already there and making it better. Mm, Um, And I think that that's particularly true of the vinegar. It doesn't have um, a very... mm, It's not as as strong, it's not as assertive Mm. as perhaps some of the other vinegars that you would find. Well, because the other day I ran out of uh, apple cider vinegar, which Uh I use on salad, and then I used... uh, the Japanese white vinegar, I was very, very much rounded, like you said. Right. And I was thinking, hmm, this is similar to, you know, you wine, I pair wine with food yes. versus pair um, sake with food. Right. And sake is very forgiving because it's not so distinctive in a way, right. in a good way. Um, so if you need a very strong flavor, maybe, you know, acidic, um, you know, white wine or just a right. very tannic red wine, that'd be great. But if you have sake... It's kind of, you can go either direction. Right. So one of the stronger vinegars um, that I like that's based on rice, but it's kasu su. Mm. So it's the leftovers, the lees from making sake, mm. and that's been allowed to ferment. And it's sweet, almost like balsamic. So I think of it as the Japanese version of balsamic vinegar. Uh, I've never tried it. Really? Oh, it's wonderful. Saninsu. It takes three years to to produce and um, it's quite dark so if you mix it with um, soy sauce uh, it's not a problem if you tried to use it on other foods it would sort of stain it and wouldn't be very pretty looking Mm. Um, 
But if you're using um, soy sauce or anything that were a dark color, wouldn't be a problem. Mm. Um, it's it's quite wonderful. Wow, I have to yeah. look for it. Okay, <laughs> I know what to bring is my next omiyage. For okay, that would be right. great. Um, okay, so um, so there's so many ways to use Japanese uh, vinegar, rice vinegar right. in cooking, and uh, the pickles are very common. Like. Right. What you do, of course. Um, but there are many different types of uh, flavored vinegar to make. Right. Useful cooking. So, um, first of all, what is ponzu? That's very <laughs> typical. Well, there are several different stories or legends that are associated with it. But when you look it up in a Japanese food dictionary, it will tell you that the Dutch word ponzu meant a citrus. Mm. And so it's likely that the Dutch or had used that word, and the combination of the vinegar um, with other foods, particularly with soy sauce, which was already in Japan. Mm. And the sound of it was similar to su from su, so it became ponzu. Mm. That particular version of the story makes the most sense to right. me. Um, so ponzu is essentially any kind of citrus that's mixed with soy sauce. Mm, so it can be, uh, uh, of course, yuzu, sudachi, kabosu, or lemon, right. or orange. And when, when I'm not in Japan and I can't find um, kabosu or sudachi, which are I, I love because they're very juicy. Yuzu, the skin is more flavorful, mm. but the juice itself can be rather bitter. Right. Um, I often will do a combination of grapefruit juice, orange mm. juice, and lime juice. So the three mixed together, mm-hmm. I think, are very similar to uh, kabosu, okay. which is a wonderful um, a wonderful flavor to add. Mm. So it's the vinegar and the citrus that you like, and some soy sauce. And soy sauce. Right. And then whether you add dashi to it or not, whether you're thinning it out, the proportions of them... Um, change a, a great deal depending upon what you're using the, the ponzu with. Mm. If you're using it just as a dip uh, for something like yakiniku, some mm. you know, pan-seared um, uh, meat or, or fish or something of that sort, probably it's going to be one and one, so one part soy sauce, one part um, citrus, mm. and it'll be pretty strong. But if you're going to be using it more like um, uh, salad dressing and tossing it with other things, probably dashi will be added to it. Mm. And um, there might be more citrus than soy. Right. Okay. Mm. So you can play with... uh, You can play with it. Right. Vinegar and citrus and soy. Right. Balancing. One of my sort of favorite mm, flavors, if you will, is um, tosazu. Mm -hmm. And... but by the yeah. way, the listeners, if you're interested in yeah. ha- having ponzu, it's, it's the supermarket does so many ponzu. Yes. And it's very common. I mean, every single house almost has a ponzu right. in the fridge. So. Yeah, it, it's a very common and I think very appealing. And one of the reasons why it, it so quickly became available mm-hmm. was because it's so appealing and it's so um, amenable to other foods. So not just Japanese food. It's right. a very... Uh, comfortable flavor to use in a lot of cooking. Right, a regular yeah. salad, American yes. style salad, even yeah, like absolutely. tuna salad. Right. right. Okay, right. so that's ponzu, it's not. Right. <laughs> right. right. So the, what's the, you said you're going to tosazu. So tosazu is probably in the other direction, and it might be a little challenging because it has a sort of a funky 
flavor to it. And that comes from the smoky katsuobushi that's been added to it. Mm, so bonito. The bonito flakes. Bonito and um, Tosa is a place in, um, on the island of Shikoku that's on the Pacific side, not on the inland seaside of, of um, Shikoku, and where a great deal of the bonito fish are caught and mm-hmm. processed. And that's the place you first landed. Uh, oh. sim- uh, close, close by. Right, yeah. but the Shikoku. Yeah, Shikoku, so. right. <laughs> so I, I'm certainly familiar with that. But if you like um, smoke, I often call katsuo the sort of bacon of the sea. If you mm. like that sort of smoky um, flavor, you'll love tosazu. If you have trouble with sort of fishy, funky flavors, it might not become your immediate best mm. friend. But I think it's a fabulous um, dressing to use, certainly on seafood or on salads where seafood would be um, a welcome um, addition. Right. And uh, many people who come to my programs, and I do tastings uh, along with the program so they can compare different vinegars, say that they pair it with cheese and that they find that mm. the smokiness sort of cuts through the, uh, the oiliness of some of the oilier right. cheeses. Now, not yeah. to mention, uh, you know, bonito flakes have a lot of umami. Yes. And the umami of cheese and the umami in the bonito multiplies and adds more flavor. Right, right. right. Um, but so, so tosazu is also, it's uh, commercially available. But if you wanted to make your own, mm. what you would do is just put a few uh, katsubushi flakes in a jar, pour vinegar on top of it, and just wait. Mm. How long? <laughs> Um, probably mm, eight to ten hours, um, and it's better not to apply heat for it to be a natural infusion mm. of the flavor. Rather than use the very thin flakes, if you can get the thicker flakes, the atsukezuri um, flakes, mm. in the old days when many households would get their bonito as a whole fillet and they would actually... Um, uh, slice the mm. very thin slices. I hold my fingers as I say that because that right. blade is very sharp and very dangerous. <laughs> um, because fingers are more important than food, there would always be a chunk left over at the end because right. you could go just so far in, in making your own flakes. Um, and nothing goes to waste. And so they were often set aside and used to season other things, mm. either soy sauce or vinegar. Mm. And so if you put katsu bushi in the bottom of either soy sauce mm. or vinegar, you'll get a smoky, funky mm. soy sauce or vinegar. Right. And it's better not to do it by heat. Right. Yeah. Okay, so we wake up in the morning for dinner, you put right. the, salt, uh, the vinegar and then... It could just stay in there. Um, for days. For days. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, and the next one is uh, Nihaizu. Right. Well, this has more to do with proportion. And um, it's basically equal quantities of vinegar and soy sauce. And um, the kind of soy sauce you use, the kind of vinegar you use, you're going to get various different flavors, but it's equal proportions. So, ippai plus ippai is nihai, <laughs> mm. and so that's the origin of the name of nihaizu. Okay. Right, um, so soy and vinegar, one, one, one to one. one. One to one, right. whereas sambaizu, where mm. you've got a third thing, the third thing is uh, mirin, which mm. is the sweeter sake. Mm. Um, and it's when you do want some kind of sweetness added to the sauce. So whether mm. you were using 
nihaizu or sambaizu would really depend upon whether you wanted to introduce any sweet element or not. Right. So it can be um, one vinegar, one soy, and one sugar or mirin, which we're going right. to talk about a little later. Right. But uh, yeah, that's easy. And you can use it for any pickles. All sorts of things. And um, also we've got to talk about the, the different kinds of soy sauce because one kind has very little color but a lot of salty flavor mm. and the other has a very dark color right. and is actually milder. Mm. And depending upon what you're combining it with, you either do or don't want the color. Mm. Um, so you don't want to stain your food. That's the right. way the people down in Kyoto talk about it. Right. Okay, so um, let's take a quick yeah. break in and then we'll continue uh, conversation okay. when we come back about that color of soy, uh, soy sauce and flavors right. and the meeting. So Good. please stay with us. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan-Asian to American, and that is why they're located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's unique store in Lower Manhattan is home to perhaps the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan, plus the rarest natural sharpening stones and exquisitely designed tableware. They also host special events such as knife sharpening demonstrations and parties with New York's most famous chefs and restaurateurs. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the implicit and elegance of Japanese culture to your table, be it in your home or in the finest restaurant. For more information, visit corin.com. So welcome back. You're listening to Japanese Broadcasting Live from a studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm your host, Takiko Kadema, and my guest today is Elizabeth Sando, a food writer and cookbook author and a Japanese cooking instructor based in Tokyo. So, uh, so we've been talking about different condiments, and then we almost started to talk about soy sauce, right. which is a whole other new world. Right. So um, the sound of shoyu, seoyu, now the sashi right. seso, the horse... Right. Uh, force num- uh, number four of uh, the, the condiments or seasonings. So, um, what kind of, what types of soy uh, sauce are common, commonly used in Japan? So, what most people refer to as regular, ordinary soy sauce is rather dark in color. It is salty, but um, it's made with wheat mm-hmm. and soybeans and salt. And for allowed to ferment, and depending upon um, either the artisan who's making it or the commercial uh, company who's making it, the proportions might change slightly, but you get a fairly um, round uh, flavor, but a very dark color. Right. And so that's that, the yeah. one, uh, you know, even the supermarkets in the States, uh, they have Kikoman. That's right. the this type. And I, I heard it's the whole production in Japan. It's 80% of production. That's this type. And then it's right. called the Koikuchi. Koikuchi. In, in Japanese, Koikuchi, as opposed to Usukuchi, which mm. is this sort of lighter one. But um, usually when you look at the labels in English, it'll merely say soy sauce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it won't have any other description. So it's sort of the default or unless you specify that it's not that, that's what soy sauce is, mm. is that darker right. color. 
Right. And less intense. It's flavor. really versatile. You can use it for cooking or for sashimi or anything, right. basically. Right. And you mentioned uskuchi, right? As opposed to koikuchi. Right. right. Koi means thick and usu means uh, thin. Thin. Mm. The problem is that it's often referred to as light, mm-hmm. and、um, many labels in America spell light, L I T E, meaning that somehow it's less. Mm-hmm. Of something. And、um, actually, usukuchi or L I G H T colored soy sauce, light、mm-hmm. colored soy sauce, actually has a higher sodium content.、Mm-hmm. So it's much saltier in flavor, but very pale in color.、Um, what, it, what it is primarily used for is to not color、mm-hmm. the food,、mm-hmm. but imbue it with the flavor. Of soy sauce. Right. So it's really common in、uh, Kyoto and Kaiseki cuisine because、yes. they really emphasize on colors, different seasonal they're, colors. They're not wanting to change the color of the food.、Mm. So, so, again, it's kind of tricky because color is light, but it's saltier. So you have to use you have carefully. To, you have to use carefully, and it's usually paired with、uh, mirin, which is the sweeter sake,、mm-hmm. um, and or sugar.、Mm. Um, And again, we talked about you know, using sugar and savory things. This is certainly one of the incidences where、um, you need it to balance、mm. the saltiness of the usukuchi shoyu. Right.、Yeah. So,、uh, what about the tamari shoyu? So, that's another interesting thing. I'm not quite sure why in America it means wheat free. <laughs> but, <Really? laughs> yeah, but most people who come into my Programs、mm. think that tamari means wheat free, and I have to remind them, especially if they have a gluten problem,、mm. that that's not the meaning of the word. t a m a r u is to sort of fill up, and、um, I would describe tamari shoyu as being good for dips. And finishing flavors, but not for cooking.、Mm. It's usually too.、Um, Rich、mm. and too overbearing、um, to use when you're doing simmered foods. Right. So, tamari in Japan、uh, is made with wheat, and it usually is the richer, thicker,、um, more aromatic. Right. And you wouldn't want to cook it,、mm. you would want to use it. As it is. Right. So, sashimi or sushi. Right. Right. Yeah, I think you go to sushi place, you get tamari very often. Right. right. But I've heard, heard that, you know, like, the reason people say gluten free、right. uh, is that the regular koikuchi shoyu that we talked about already,、right. it's、uh, soybeans one to wheat one. Right. And for tamari, 80% soybeans. Right. And wheat, 20%. So it's、yes. less, but it's not free. But it's not wheat free. And、um, although most tamari sold here in America is wheat free.、Mm, how interesting.、Uh, it is.、Um, but it's certainly that's not the meaning of the word. And for people who are traveling to Japan and who do have a problem with.、Mm. Um, that means that they、gluten. make 100% soybeans? Can you make tamari out of it? It's, it's, it's mystery.、Um, <laughs> Apparently,、uh, I'm not quite sure either how it gets done, but、um, because the wheat is really what gives the aroma、mm. to it.、Um, but tamari definitely has a sharper,、uh, 
um, deeper mm. uh, flavor. And again, um, applying heat um, kills that wonderful aroma. So we don't want you don't want to use it with heat. Mm. You want to use it only as a finishing flavor. Right. Okay. And uh, well, there's so many other soy sauce, but uh, we'll save it for the next time, maybe. Okay. Um, so the next one, the last one of sashi seso, it's a miso. Right. So what kind of variations does it have? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> a million. Um, the Japanese will tend to categorize miso in two very different ways. One is by color, and then it's two. It's either red or it's white. And the red, aka miso, is really brown. Mm. And the white, shiro miso, is really yellow or beige. Um, and I often <laughs> like it when I do a miso tasting. It looks almost like a hair color chart. Mm-hmm. It goes from blonde <laughs> all the way through to brunette. Mm. Um, but uh, another way of categorizing um, not by color, but rather by other uh, uh, ingredients that have been added in the fermentation process. Mm -hmm. So if only soybeans are used, uh, it's mame miso. Mm. And it's actually pretty um, uh, few compared... Most of the the miso in Japan is not just bean. Mm. Um, Most of the miso in Japan is rice-enriched, so it's kome miso. Right, so the uh, soybeans and rice and, and then, salt. And, right, mm-hmm. and then the third uh, element that adds a very distinctive flavor is barley, so mm. mugi miso. I love the mugi miso oh, I love flavor. mugi miso also. <laughs> um, and, uh, it's kind of like a It's a very yeasty, it's very interesting. People who really like yeasty breads mm. also love mugi miso. Right. And the texture is, is quite wonderful as, as well. Um, so... Probably uh, miso originated um, in the mainland China, came into Japan through the Korean Peninsula, mm. and probably entered Japan in and around Nagoya. Mm, right. <laughs> and that's the area in Japan that still primarily eats mame miso. Mm. Uh, hacho miso is, is uh, very thick, fudge-like, and is only made of soybeans. Mm. And it has a somewhat of a hoisin sauce-like flavor to it. You can sort of tell that it had Chinese origins, mm. I think, to it. Um, most, of, most of Japan eventually added rice, uh, different types of rice, different proportions of rice in the making of miso. Mm. And kome miso is overwhelmingly, I think it's, Almost 70% of the miso produced in Japan is mm. kome miso type. But um, not all kome miso is similar in flavor. There's a lot of regional um, difference right. with that. But in terms of categorizing, it's either by color or it's by um, how it's been enriched in the process of mm. being uh, being made. Right. Yeah, I heard that when uh, the Harold McGee uh, came to a show right. with his food scientist, and then he said the color of miso right. can tell, to some extent, um, how rich the flavor is, the darker the richer, because the color uh, thickens, gets darker over time because it's a mild reaction. Uh-huh. So I didn't know that. Yeah, the okay. amino acid and the sugar over time just react right. and they get combined in a way. Right. So... And I wanted to eat more because of the flavor. <laughs> but one of the things that I would caution um, people again is that 
the lighter color doesn't necessarily mean it's less salty. Mm. Um, and when I do my miso tasting, one of the things that I include is Nihonkai miso, mm. which is very pale in color and extremely salty. It comes from Akita Prefecture. Mm. Um, extremely salty. Right. Well, I think, uh, you know, the northern part of the J Japan, Akita right. is very north, and then they have to preserve things. They did to tend to have saltier food, so maybe Much their saltier. palate. Yes. Right. So the color isn't always... Um, the light-colored miso doesn't always mean it's going to be sweet-tasting. Mm. Um, but very definitely, the length of time required to ferment it is less. Mm, so the lighter the color, probably the less. Mm. And many of the Saikyo miso from Kyoto mm. is only a few months Okay. at most. Right. Actually, six, six to eight weeks, I would say, is, is mm. the, the time for most of the Saikyo miso right. from start to end. Whereas Hacho could take three years. Wow. Yeah. So... Interesting. So the that's another aging stage you may want to take it's a look another, at. It's another yes, it's very it's very much uh it's a more mature mm. the darker the color, the more mature the flavor is also mm. going to be. Right. The maybe more umami, you can say also. I think so. Right. Mm. Yeah, but it's it's nice to have you know, people like umami but um I like mixing different miso. Well, sometimes rice, and I like saikyo because of the sweetness of right. saikyo miso. So awasi miso, I think, is a common practice. Mm -hmm. Meaning um, combining Combining miso. different kinds of miso, blending mm -hmm. uh, different kinds is very common practice. That's awase miso. Right. right. And um, many households will do it by the weather or the temperature or the season. Mm. And um, in the summer, it would tend to be saltier, the proportion of... Uh, saltier miso would be greater mm. and in the winter sweeter would be greater mm. and I guess it makes sort of sense you you sweat more in the summer and right. you, you crave more salty foods um, not all households will make those adjustments but many will so the same um, miso soup that they would enjoy in the winter might have a bit heavier proportion of a sweeter miso mm. um, and less of a saltier one, whereas in the summertime, um, it would be the reverse. Also, I think there are certain ingredients, in certainly in miso soup, mm. um, that benefit from certain flavors of miso. Right. Uh, Mushrooms so, and root veggies and right. things like and that. It's, it's, it's interesting right, that the miso is so regional. Like, for instance, if you go to the south, like Shikoko right. Kyushu, you have more Bali that goes well with the local food as well. Yes, so. very much so. Right. Yeah. Okay, and uh, so now, uh, it's not including the sashishi seso, but I think the uh, mirin that right. we mentioned a couple of times is very important to me. It is. I mean, in my opinion, I think it's, uh, it plays a lot of roles in Japanese it cooking. Does. So does. what is mirin? So real mirin <laughs> is sake that's been brewed from mochigome. Mm. So... Most sake is brewed from uruchimai, which I refer to in English as table rice, meaning it's the rice that you would eat at a meal mm -hmm. when you're sitting at the table is uruchimai. Mm. And uh, almost all sake is made from uruchimai. Mm. Um, when the same process is applied to mochigome, and mochigome is the rice that gets pounded into making omochi. Mm. <laughs> so people call it sweet rice? It's sweet rice. Mm. Sometimes it used to be mislabeled as 
glutinous rice. There's mm. no gluten in rice mm, right, at all. It's right. sticky. It's sticky, but there's no gluten in right. it at all. Um, so it is a sweeter grain. Mm-hmm. And just as you can get corn syrup from corn, um, so you can get a very syrupy flavor. Uh, you can get rice malt uh, from mm. from rice, but it's going to be from the sweeter rice. So meeting, real, true meeting, is sake that's made from mochigome. Right. So I think it's basically adding um, sweet rice or the... You know the the sticky rice, right? And uh, koji molding to shochu, right. right? So that's why it has a higher alcohol level around yes. fourteen or above. Or above, yes. It starts at fourteen, I think. Right. Yeah. So that's why I think uh, some um, shops cannot sell a mirin ah. because it's not they don't have a license. I never thought of that. Yeah. So that's why huh. they have a uh, different kinds of mirin food. Meeting style. Yeah. I, there are certain <laughs> words that um, I caution people about uh, it, it, when they're shopping for things. Who and uh, means uh, the winds have blown over. <laughs> it's it's the fla- it's uh, an approximate flavor. It's always disappointing in mm-hmm. my mind. Um, but yes, most of the meeting that is sold is really sake and sugar that has been blended. Mm. Um, and I didn't stop to think about the alcohol content, but I guess that's part of it. Right. Yeah, I think uh, it plays a lot of role because, um, you know, the alcohol goes deeper into the ingredients. Yes. So it brings in more flavors together with alcohol. But that, about alcohol evaporates when you cook it. It evaporates and, and therefore it blends better. It, mm. It's a smoother blend. Um, Food that has been cooked with meeting has a much smoother Mm. flavor, I think, than the the who meeting. (laughs) Your your windy meeting. (laughs) Right, because I think the meeting um, has milder sugar flavor, the sweetness. Yes. Right, because it's a a converted and starch converted to sugar, but then it's fermented, so it's more kind of I think different kinds of um, the sugar. Mm, it, it produces a rounder flavor and also a much more um, beautiful gloss mm. and, and sheen to it. Um, it's not as um, rough tasting mm. as, as sugar would be. It doesn't taste like candy. It, it tastes uh, mm-hmm. rounder, uh, has a much much more body to it. Right. And also, um, if you want to caramelize a food with sugar, you, yes. it doesn't get that even, you know, the coating like mirin. Right. Um, mirin is also very important in sauces that will be coating um, other foods. Mm. Um, and you're wanting it to be an even distribution. So it seems to blend better with other foods so that it's evenly distributed. You don't get pockets of flavor mm. um, separating out afterwards. Right. Yeah. And just like you said, uh, it coats the foods. I heard that the, the mirin can make, uh, keep, uh, make food shape when you simmer it in a pot yes. for longer yeah. hours. Yes. So that's like a magical <laughs> condiment. It it's is indeed. Yeah. And I think it's available uh, in the States, I think. Um, it's, ho- it's 
hard. You really have to read the labels. And I always get frustrated um, when they slap labels in English over the original Japanese. Mm. And you can't read the original <laughs> Japanese <laughs> on it. Um, because the FDA, I think, has different rules about what needs to be on that label oh, um, right. than the Japanese government. But um, if you can find um, real meeting in my own supermarket, um, there's only one, a whole shelf, and there's only one that's the real stuff. Mm, okay. Yeah. Right. So hopefully uh, listeners can find meeting, and you can just use so. it for many different kinds. Not like you know, finishing up, but more for cooking right. and making things shinier and cook and simmer yeah. to make. And I do think uh, that all of these things we've been talking about apply to any cuisine. It's not just when you're cooking Japanese food mm. that you're going to see a difference about sashisuse so, so you should be doing the sugar and mm. thinking about it, adding it to savory flavors and the salt to s also add to sweeten things, and but that comes later. I think all of these um, principles or ideas mm. work well with any kind of cooking. Right. So, listeners, sashisuseso. That's your lesson today. Okay, so uh, thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you. All right, so listeners, if you'd like to know more about Elizabeth's uh, projects and updates, please visit uh, tasteofculture.com. That's uh, one word, tasteofculture.com. And if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for guests or topics of the show, please contact us at japanese.heritageradionetwork.org. And Japanese is live at 3 p.m. on Mondays and always available at heritageradionetwork.org, iTunes and Stitcher as a podcast. And uh, today's uh, engineer is David Tadasiore, and thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.